0: I'm Garrett McQueen. I'm Scott Blankenship. And this is Triloquy, true
1: and real stories from the fringes of classical music. Feeling good today, Scott? I'm feeling great today. How are you feeling? I'm feeling pretty good. You had to be up early, though. I had to be up early, um, despite all of the... I'll say cupcakes we enjoyed last night. <laughs> no, we're allowed to say that we drink, right? Yeah, well, uh, that happens. How are my martini shaking skills? How would you, how would you rate me?
0: Uh, I'm I'm really disappointed that I've been drinking vermouth for this long.
1: Well, some people because yours were better. Well, some people like drinking the actual vermouth, but I uh, I just season the ice with the vermouth. You know, something I learned in my days of bartending, being a uh, being an artist, oftentimes includes working in the service industry or some outside um, music job. So, you mm-hmm. know, I spent many, many, many years being a bartender and, and shaking a really nice martini is one of the things I learned along the way. Even though you like vodka, I mean I'm not I'm not that guy. I'm a gin person. You like it dirty. So the, the kinds of martinis you drink are just a little um, below <laughs> me, I'll say. <laughs> but but I'm but I'm glad that I can shake a good
0: one for you. But you've turned me on to gin though. Yeah. I, 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 I guess I was just drinking the wrong gin. Maybe. Or or maybe it was a bad bartender because that can ruin somebody's perspective.
1: Well, when you talk about gin, you know, there are, you know, when I was a bartender, I used to say there's no such thing as house gin or well gin. Right. Uh, Up up here they say rail. There's no such thing as rail gin because it takes so much care to get a nice bottle of gin um, onto the store counter. You might as well buy one that, you know. That you know it's gonna be nice, and uh, and none of these gin brands are writing me a check for shouting them out, so I won't. Right, but I have favorites. Well, uh, <laughs> if look, if you're listening next time you're in uh, St. Paul, you wanna pay me a visit, I'll tell you what kind of gin I think is the best. Fair enough. Um, and that gin and the vodka in your case helped. A few of the conversations get a little loud isn't at one it, point. <laughs> isn't it interesting how those things facilitate that? In Vino Veritas, as they say. Yes, correct. Um uh you mentioned what what okay, let's just go there. What movie did you mention? Um and you got a line from it that kind of got me upset for a little bit. The commitments. Okay. So there's this scene in that movie where um some uh, Irish guys are from Ireland right they're in Dublin they're they're looking at um, a James Brown video and eventually the conversation gets to oh well we're the we're the black people of Ireland Mm -hmm. and that sounds innocent enough to a lot of people but for me I was upset because I could tell you're equating blackness excuse me you're equating blackness with oppression like can you can you not understand
0: why I would instantly be upset at something like that um, the fact that you saw that thirty-second clip, yeah, I could see where you got there. Uh, and but m- and my point uh, about when you know when things, as you said, started to get a little bit loud, my point was that you don't have to go back very far in history to find evidence that English people have oppressed the Irish and the Scottish for centuries
1: and my point was that white on white crime has nothing to do with black americans why are you pulling us into that and comparing us to the oppressed people okay first off i didn't do it
0: they did it in <laughs> I'm not, the movie. i'm not blaming you okay, okay
1: but what A- I'm, and, and this is how we got loud last night i'm not indicting you scott
0: but my question is what is what is the problem with using... it help me understand where the problem with using that metaphor lies because all right let's let's say that um, Let's say me
1: and my boyfriend um, separate. Something very unfortunate happens, and I'm walking around here um, trying to find a date I met, and I and I come in and I say, man, whenever I go out, I feel like I'm the Scott Blankenship of the bar. You wouldn't like that, would you? That would be inappropriate, me equating being single to who you are because you have nothing to do with my relationship status just as black Americans and the black diaspora has nothing to do with, Irish, uh, with English oppression of Irish people. Does that make sense? It does. It's the same as, but it's, it's the same reason why we don't say, oh, that's so gay. Why are you equating something bad or something distasteful or something you don't like with a person's sexual preference? That was my only
0: point. Okay, so let's, I, I okay, thank you, and I understand that. But do you also understand how that metaphor can be powerful for a white person? I, it's. It's... I,
1: I can understand how that metaphor is powerful for a white person as we... far as far as acknowledging that inside of that powerful moment is intrinsic racism, is an, is an inherently racist statement. That's what that's why I feel like people get lost. So um, if you disagree with me, um, too bad.
0: <laughs> because... <laughs> but that also led to the conversation about that whole uh, time frame as far as movies were concerned. We started talking about John Hughes movies. Yeah. Uh, your 16 Candles, your Pretty in Pink. Right. Um, these sorts of things where all of this was just sort of normalized and we accepted it and, and loved it as part of our experience growing up. Because in the mid to late 80s, that is where, you know, I would have been 15 to 20 years old in that time frame. And that's an impressionable time. Yeah. Yeah. And so now to turn around and look at it and re- and have the realization that that was wrong it is that that I think is a great the the perfect example of cognitive dissonance. Yeah. You're confronted with something that conflicts with everything that you grew up with and you don't want to go, "Oh, well I'm a piece of crap then." <laughs> <laughs> let's <laughs> let, let's let, let's
1: go back to a previous conversation we were having. So we were talking about my being a bartender. Um the last bartender job I had, I was actually fired from. The, the only time I was fired from a job uh, in my life so far, anyway. Uh, and <laughs> and uh, I was let go because I, I said behind the bar, racist language and racist activities are an intrinsic part of what it means to be white in America. And what you're telling me right now validates me because what you're saying is, as a teenager this very impressionable time in your life this movie that played such an important part uh, of of you know your the, the way you consume media or whatever is intrinsically racist at least from my perspective and this is a a celebrated film you know among so many people so how can you tell me that you can celebrate racism and also be Separate from the from the structure of racism in this country. Does that make
0: sense? It does.
1: That's but what I, I'm saying. That's yeah, all I'm saying.
0: I, I, and I don't know how to respond. I mean, for,
1: for for me, the response is, you know, as as the late Maya Angelou said, um, "When you when you know better, you do better." That's that's not the exact quote, but but that but that's all it is. Acknowledging the power structures at play and how that affects media. You know, we talk about music. Um, and, and, and everything else. We really have to take a step back and consider the problems that so much of this media intrinsically has. And that, and that of course, um, includes classical music and the culture surrounding classical music. You know, uh, fr- from my perspective, those power structures um, manifest today in the way we're expected to, and when I say we, I mean black people or, or other people of color, the way we're expected to sort of behave in certain, um, in certain environments. And um, here in a few minutes, uh, you're going to hear from um, from Katie and Delaney, who I interviewed back in February. And um, one of the uh, when I invited them to um, up to my hotel room for us to uh, record this audio, one of the first questions they asked was this. So I invited y'all up here, and before um, before y'all came up here, I think Katie, you were like, "So how, how trifling are we allowed to be?" <laughs> I want to know why that's a.
0: Okay. (laughs) One of the main themes in your interview is code switching, right? Yeah. Okay. So now for people who have heard the term and they don't have a firm grasp on it, code switching is?
1: So I guess colloquially speaking, I would call code switching the difference between your street voice and your job interview voice. Okay. You know, or or just kind of shaping your affect or the way you communicate based on who you're communicating with based on sort of systemic rules and and, and unspoken guidelines when it comes to what's um quote unquote professional, what's what works for the workplace and, okay. and and that's something that um that black folk definitely have to deal with all the time when it comes to speech and appearance. You know, I wear dreadlocks and there have been jobs that I've been turned away from because they were asking me to cut my hair and um and, and I didn't want to do that. And you know, being a black classical musician, that is that, that, that whole conversation is augmented because, you know, we're in spaces that are predominantly white Um, We come from spaces, you know, for the most part, as far as family and culture and all that, that are predominantly black. So Mm -hmm. when when those two worlds come together and you and you uh, acknowledge the power structures there, you know, black folks, myself included, kind of get into, you know, this automatic thing where we have to sort of clean up our affect or or make sure our hair is pulled back or, you know, make sure we're dressed you know beyond reproach of you know do you belong here or whatever mm-hmm. and and recently that conversation has been changed and said no we uh, we're not going to do that we're not going to code switch we're not going to we're not going to change ourselves for for your own comfort and and yeah um and you know that that clip that you played uh, goes right into that, you know. But when when someone hears that, you know, I work for American Public Media and I want to interview them, the first right. thought is, okay, well, let me make sure that I'm not, you know, being offensive. Let me make sure that. Um, when in
0: reality, you want to capture them being their real self.
1: Right. And, and so so that's kind of why I asked them that question, like, where, 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 where does that come from? Because, you know, I don't know about you, but I want the organization we work for to be seen as one that's open and inclusive and where a person can be themselves, because that's certainly, you know, what I do and what I'm sure you do. Um, but but that public. For better or, or worse. But yeah. <laughs> but but that public. You know, perception and not just with us, but just media organizations across the board, you know, kind of kind of live in that space of, okay, I need to I need to, you know, get my mm, together before before, you know, I I go and talk and talk to these people.
0: Have you ever done that with me?
1: Have I ever code switch with you? Um, you know, I'll be honest. When when I was first meeting you, you know, I have to I have to feel a person out and, and know what they're about and, you know, so to an extent, maybe so. Um, I don't I don't think I, I code switch at this point. I, I hope no. you don't <laughs> no, oh, you know for a fact that you're getting the real deal.
0: I don't feel like you are., okay. Is what I'm saying., um, What else about your conversation with Katie and Delaney stuck out for you? What um, you know, what pay dirt that you did you hit and think, okay, now this is this is good conversation where we need to be.
1: Well, yeah, we 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 did talk a lot about uh code code switching, but um we also talked a little bit about um cancel culture, mm. uh, if if you're familiar with that. So and, that I
0: am, because the R Kelly business is going on right. I
1: mean, R Kelly, Garrison Keeler. Yeah, I mean the 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 list goes on and on. So you know people getting um exposed and caught up in you know their their bad behavior. Um, and and just being kind of socially canceled, like we're not listening to their music, we're not following them on on social media, um, and how we don't apply that to many of the composers we listen to all the time. So the first name that that people will say is Wagner, but the stories go well beyond that. Um, I think. Um, me katie and uh and delaney talked about debussy about how how he was a womanizer and 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 cheating on his wife they bring up um a composer named carlo giswaldo um who was like some sort of serial killer way back in the i think he was one of those renaissance composers and he was you know
0: i've had his music on my playlist yeah
1: i mean and debussy all the time and i love debussy and, and and the problem is you know, I feel nervous about talking about these things without like the fact sheet sitting right yep. in front of me, yeah. because these composers have been put up on such a high pedestal that, you know, their their the 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 way we have revised their lives historically is more important and more significant, and in many cases more accurate than the facts we kind of know, but. You know, haven't taken the time to really um, insert into the classical music of zeitgeist, if you will, and you know it, it's all really interesting conversation. So, so we uh, we talked a little bit about that as well.
0: Is cancel culture valid for you? I mean, do you agree with that happening? Like, if uh, let's say R. Kelly uh, goes to prison or is exonerated, um, do you agree with? Not playing his music on the radio or not having his albums available in stores. Well, I I think
1: that's a very specific uh, situation because no one who abuses children, which which he did, and 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 which has and which he's been proven, you know, of being guilty of, uh, based based on you know uh, witness accounts and and videotape and yeah. and, and all that stuff um yeah he i I don't think we should be listening to to him as as much as I believe that I can fly and and as much as I love to step in the name of love you know or whatever his his other uh hit songs were you know getting in getting in my car and 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 cranking it up and hearing the remix to ignition you know whatever sure. um can you, he, he, can he's you th- a he, he he you know he he has abused children so for for me I don't feel comfortable celebrating him you know but but one one that was a little more difficult for folks specifically black people was Bill Cosby yeah you know that the, was hard the, that was a tough one because you just didn't want to believe that he would do something like that but, of course not you know but but that goes back to you know believing women believing their stories and I did you know so i don't you know I don't watch the the Bill Cosby show not not that I really was anyway, but you know we we have to believe women and we have to put their stories ahead of our perceptions of you know the men they're they're accusing,
0: I think. Um, is there anything else about your conversation that stood out, or should we just get to it?
1: Um, a, a lot of great stuff. Um, I'll, you know, a, again, they host um, a podcast called Classically Black. We talk a little bit about that. Uh, we talk about um, what they're doing over at the Eastman School of Music. They're they're both students there, and sort of uh, sort of that dynamic. Um, we talked a little bit about their um, upbringing. I believe Delaney is from uh, Southern California. She's yeah. from not too far from uh, where I lived when, when I was over there. And, um, yeah, just, just a lot of really great conversations. They're so fun to talk with. I think they represent, again, sort of that fringe of classical music. You don't see or hear young women uh, like them every day Um yeah, and I, I I think it was a really great conversation that we should just go ahead and jump right into. Okay, so so let's get in it. So I invited y'all up here and before um before y'all came up here, I think Katie you were like so how how trifling are we allowed to be? <laughs> I want to know why that's a question. Why why or well, I know why that's a question, but I kind of want to dig into why that's something as black folks, gotta always explore. You know, it's like we 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 code switch ourselves depending on you know who we're presenting ourselves in in front of.
2: Okay, so you have mentioned code switching, and <laughs> that's funny because I, I told Delaney like I don't really do that anymore. You know what I'm saying? Like I, I okay. I would say there's a time and place, right? There's always a time and place. Like, I'm not gonna go, like, for example, in my, in my lesson with, with my teacher. You know? I don't go in there and be like, hey, yo, so, you know what I'm saying? Like, help me. That's because <laughs> <laughs> he's older than me. Yeah. He's a professional. I'm a professional. It's like, there's time and place. But that, like, white voice that I had in high school when and when I was in AP classes and I felt like my blackness wasn't good enough for people, like, I stopped doing that. Mm-hmm. Like, I literally, what I, what you see with me is what you get. You know what I'm saying? Like, I'll say I'll say you know what I'm saying? When I'm talking right. to you, who ever you know right. because of the time and place I'm not gonna roll up on my grandma and be like "Hey yo, so oh, <laughs> my grandma lit <laughs> like, my grandma she cooler than me she like so why are you hanging out with
3: me when this party's going on I'm like so, let me be me <laughs> my, this whole code switching thing like honestly when I met Katie like I'm like low key from the hood but I, I still do that cold switching thing But what's, what's low key from the hood like I mean my mom tried to like sort of push me like out of Just being like just being in that all the time, mm-hmm. especially like I changed middle schools to like go in a I'm whole from? different. Um, I'm from I'm from Inglewood, California.
1: Shout so out I, Inglewood! You know yeah. uh, when I, I went to a grad school at USC and I oh. lived in Baldwin Hills, oh,
3: okay. and everyone
1: used to call it the Good Hood.
3: Yeah, it is. <laughs> that is. That's where all the black doctors and yeah. lawyers. Yeah I, was, yeah, I love yeah, living like, there. Oh. Heights, yeah. But
1: anyway, Inglewood.
3: Yeah, but um, that's where I'm from. And in in seventh grade, my mom was like, you know, we're gonna try to find you like a whole different set up like so i we we didn't move but i was you know taking a bus two and a half hours to get to school Dang. yeah and, and and that kind of stuff but so the cold switching thing was like very real for me and last year at sphinx we were in okay <laughs> we were in a <laughs> session and you know you studied with lakolian right oh
1: yeah shout out lakolian russian right.
3: <laughs> he was talking about cold switching and how, um, and you know, how, how much of a big deal it is for people to have to like turn themselves off in certain, in certain situations. And Katie was like, mm-hmm, that's why I don't do it. <laughs> and, and I was like, I, it literally never, ever occurred to me just to not do it.
1: So, and just so we make sure that we're not leaving anybody behind, how would y'all define code switching? What, what is code switching? Hmm.
3: I change the tone of voice that I use, the inflection. I'm very like, I I just make sure that I'm uh, that I always f- uh, seem welcoming and like very I don't know like
2: professional I mean, yeah, all well the time. Spoken, and like,
1: see, yeah. you you say welcoming, but I think really what you mean is non-threatening. Yes, yeah.
3: yes,
2: yeah, honestly, yeah. like not make looking mad all the time. Yeah, I
3: can't like I, my face is never like I feel very. Buttoned up, mm-hmm. like I'm not at ease at all. You like, might like talk
2: like this, you know yeah. what I'm saying? Like, I don't
3: know. Yo, yo customer service voice. Your yeah, customer service voice.
1: <laughs> yeah. job, job interview accent. Yeah, <laughs> it, it seems like that's you know a particular challenge for you know those of us who are black and in classical music. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I mean, I don't know. I, I'm I'm not trying to code switch for nobody either, but I'm also. You know, it's difficult for me to think about raising my hand in a rehearsal and, and like, yo, maestro, measure 57. Um, yeah, so that's what I was talking about, like, time yeah. and place. You
2: know, yeah. I'm not going to be like, yo, Moody, so, <laughs> that's no. bowing, ain't it? Right. You know, what's it's good like, what's this?
1: My, my, <laughs> homie, my, my homie Moody, the big, the big homie Ricardo.
2: Um, <laughs> the part we just passed. Oh, what you mean? That, that arm, joint. That joint <laughs> ain't. We got to do that again. Like, it's a time and a place, but... um. I, I don't change my voice anymore. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. I have like a voice, you know, if I was in an interview, I might speak like this. You yeah. know, I'm talking to you, I might speak like this. But this this is not very far from how I speak to my friends. It's because yeah. I just got so tired of like I can't and the thing is I can't even show you I, I can't find that white voice if you literally if I put it in Google Maps. I have no idea where it went. <laughs> <laughs> because it's like I was just so tired of like changing myself. You know mm-hmm. what I'm saying? Right. Like I'm good enough the way I am, you know. Like I can I can say and it's also like this stigma, like just because you might not pronounce all your words and like you might have a little twain to your voice, like you're uneducated, you're not good enough. Like, no, I play the viol. I play it well and like I listen to Cardi B, and I talk like this. You know what I'm saying? Like, I don't mm-hmm. know. I just I just got so tired of that. I'm grown now, right. Yeah. <laughs> right? It's like I don't care. And the people who want you there, you know, I, I, they'll they'll respect that. You know, I there's professors that listen to to us speak. Mm-hmm. I speak like this in class. I'm in graduate seminars. You know, mm-hmm. education seminar. I speak like this in class. So it's just like, I don't know. But the reason why I asked for Trif thing is because,
1: you <laughs> Back know, you're over
2: making here an NPR, whatever, like, <laughs> Garrett <laughs> Upper Eshel. Right. You
3: know, oh, he been, no. He got,
2: my, my producer it is. My, my producer. <laughs> <I like. laughs> producer.
1: Shout, out, shout out Scott Blankenship. Well, <laughs> he, Listen. he been
2: in orchestra. He, been, he up here. You know, so I'm not going to get on here like, so what's good? You know what I'm
1: but, but you, <laughs> but, and, and, you know, you can, you can joke around and say all that, but, you know, one of my challenges is that I never really get to have a lot of the conversations I want to have because we aren't in the positions that I'm in, you know. Mm-hmm. Like yeah, some, sure. sometimes I feel like, shoot. Well, you know, what if, what if BET? Do they, do they need a classical department? Or I mean, I mean what's could. up? Right. You know.
3: Right. <laughs> I mean, we're available. We're available. BET, hire,
1: please. I mean, of, of, of course, I I love my organization, but you know, just the right. fact of the matter is, is that it's just mostly white. Right. And and it seems like we're just now getting to the point to where we feel comfortable acknowledging that at all. Mm-hmm. I mean, and you know, when I think about. Um, you know, the canon of, of classical composers is, is becoming, for me, more and more difficult to just cape for so many of these men whose music, you know, is what it is. But if you look at their life, you know, it's, it's some nonsense. It's some
3: absolute nonsense. Absolute. <laughs> <laughs> it it, it looked
1: like y'all got something in mind.
3: I mean... Tabuzy. Tabuzy. Guess <laughs> Waldo. He was a literal serial killer. He was a serial <laughs> and He was crazy. Ooh, what? You, Hold you on. You
2: ain't hear about Guess Waldo. That's Guess nice.
1: Waldo? Mm-hmm.
2: Gesualdo, what's his whole f- full name? Gesualdo, I forgot his first name. Yeah, the Madrigalist. He yeah. was like in fifth, the 1500s. I Carlo. Carlo, Carlo Gesualdo.
1: Y'all going way back to the 1500s? Wait okay, a minute. Because we—well, y'all to... string players.
2: <laughs> 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 i mean, <Right>. but <laughs> I <like> a <laughs> oh, But I told you, I do like a good magical sometimes. Oh yeah. Sometimes they, sometimes they go. But, uh, um... They, they be moving. Sometimes. At
1: your recital, you'd be like, look, this magical finna be moving. <laughs> it's not
2: gonna be about to be lit. I don't know see But, guess Waldo? Okay, boom. So...
1: <laughs> <laughs> boom, check it.
2: <laughs> so, guess Waldo? He was running out this stuff, but he found out his wife was cheating on him. So, he, like, went out. He's like, okay, babe, I'm finna go... I think he was gonna go hunting or something. Mm-hmm. And he, like, um... Whatever, left, like, the door open or whatever. So, his wife get in there with her boot thing, and they just type... You know and then he come in <laughs> he coming in there with a shotgun shoots uh her and my dude and then and then he takes off the 90 of her and puts it on him now he was trifling he, he was crazy <laughs> literally crazy did he put him on like put him on a doorstep too for everybody to see and yeah he was, like, he was like
3: royalty so he like literally just got away he just with got, it. got away with it
0: Oh and what you gonna goodness. do
3: back in fifteen whatever? Call nine one one. Then you gotta send a messenger pigeon, right? They, right. And then three, three to seven days later, they <laughs> plop up on a llama. <laughs> it's not even going.
1: <laughs> I mean, but but even even if you move, you know, more forward and more forward, um, you know, y'all mentioned Debussy earlier. Mm-hmm. I understand he was like, you know, running trains on women and Debussy stuff.
3: Debussy was trash. He was. He had his wife who. He was just being terrible too. He was cheating on her the whole time. He was like, Oh, why don't you go uh, visit your your mama and them?
2: And he put her on a train to do that, then went on vacation with somebody else. Right. i be damn. Also, <laughs> also, he didn't even like her voice. What he what was the quote? I can't even remember the quote. He was like, her her voice sounds like screeching. <laughs> like, oh, he was trash. And then she he ran since First of all, he was cheating on someone because he was a womanizer from the beginning. He was yeah, out here, like the very beginning. Uh, literally just out here. And then um this the girl he was with he was she was like to lily the girl was like, Lily, don't do it. C yeah. ain't it. She still say, I do, like an idiot. Like, yeah, You don't
3: have to go <laughs> through
2: it to learn from it. Exactly. She was like, sis, I'm coming to you as a woman. Like, do not do it.
3: And woman
1: to woman. Yeah. Woman
2: to woman. Don't do it. Did it anyway? what you end up doing? Now you're putting a bullet through your face. She And they yeah. survived. Now yeah. you got to live the rest of your life with a bullet. Because you know it's like, what, Debussy? What is it, 18, late 800s? Yeah. Who yeah. going yeah. in there taking that bullet out nobody? Nope. Yeah. So now you have a bullet. And then, and then after all that, he runs off with somebody else.
1: Yeah. Trash. I mean, I mean not not to say that all the composers were trash, yeah. but but sometimes no, we just good. sometimes you know we uh, we we miss out on the real stories of these folks because they are you know the greats. And you yeah, know? and they're head up
2: on pedestals because for whatever reason we still play Pro- Wagner. I was just about to say that people are still programming Wagner. You know, <sighs> especially in this time when we just played Darmastres. Oh, right, right, right.
1: <laughs> <laughs> and the you know, Maestres- and you know people bring up Wagner all the time, but. You know, in my book, it was Strauss that was the real problematic one.
2: And we will be researching that. Yeah, <laughs> and we he heard wasn't, that
1: today. And, um, and I'm sure the fact checkers is going to get me. But, like, from what I remember is he wasn't, like, a Nazi <laughs> himself. And as a matter of fact, he had, like, Jewish family members. But he was just, you know, going along with all of it just mm-hmm. to keep, you know, his folks safe, which... You know, in one regard, is like, well, he checking out for his peoples, but on the yeah. other hand, dang, I mean, look at look at everybody else that has has died. You know, thanks to your your exactly. complicity. Exactly,
2: and Martin Luther King mm-hmm. had the best. the all the ones who are the worst ones, the ones who just be, well, that's just the way it is, and you know, they yeah. they just gonna take you to a camp, sis, and that's just how we doing it. And those are the those the complacent people are the yeah. worst ones. You just going on around with it. Now millions of Jews have died thanks to you, not thanks to you. <laughs> Thanks, okay. <laughs> <laughs> thanks for your waltzes and killings. <laughs> nah, but you know what I'm saying like yeah. complacent people you know so it's like a I see what you, it's like a double. yeah
1: yeah. And then you know when I think about you know the composers of the past in this um, me too era, I feel like you know we ought to give more of the women composers you know mm-hmm. shout outs yeah. and, and 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 their time in the spotlight. you know um, maybe a week ago or something on my show, um, I had the uh, Clara Schumann Piano Concerto, mm. and that joke was kind of lit to me. Listening and to and it's just office. a piece we don't listen to all the time mm-hmm. or perform all the time because, you know, you know, in many ways, it seems like she lives in the shadow of, mm-hmm. of her husband, yeah. Rob.
2: Mm-hmm. <laughs> Meanwhile... Uh, and that
1: name is like cursed these days. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Who going to be the next person named they child rock well it's probably going to be some folks it's
2: probably going to be a book of, mm-hmm. <laughs> but <It's late. laughs> it, anyway
1: that, that's that's a that's a whole another that's a that's whole another thing, nother thing. <laughs> um, so anyway so um, you know this podcast is about you know telling some of the stories and getting some of the perspectives of you know people in classical music that you don't always hear from or that you may not think of as mm-hmm. classical musicians but you know we come in all different types And um, the two of you have really um, ran with that idea by creating your own podcast, Classically Black. (laughs) What, 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 what inspired that? Where, Where did that come from?
3: Well. Katie came to our friend group. We have, like, a Facebook group with, like, a bunch of our friends met at Gateways and Sphinx yep. and a bunch of black classical musicians and was like, we just started a podcast. It was, like, me and Katie both listen to The Reed and, like, a couple other podcasts. Dang, I the love
1: Reed. The Read. <gasps> <gasps> oh, my gosh. The Reed? Okay.
3: Shout, out, shout out to The Reed!
1: Shout out to The uh, Read. Shout heard. out to that theme music. And I, I, I wonder how many people will would turn that on and not know what that's from. Right. right, because it's Sister Act too, right? right. Yeah, Sister Act two. Sh- Shout out to all the all the nuns and all <laughs> the everybody that helped make that possible.
2: When I remember when I first got into the reading, they played the. I started it, and I was like, "Oh yeah, this is it." <laughs> I was like, "Cause I was like, where is this going?" And the beat dropped. I was like, "Oh okay." <laughs> <laughs> right.
1: But but anyway, you say <laughs> listening to other podcasts kind of inspired you to you know
3: yeah because um katie was like so let's start a podcast and you know some people are on board some people are like "Mm, i don't know if i got time for that so it really started with like a bunch of other people and it it slowly but surely narrowed down and and we had like all these things like oh we're gonna release on this day we're gonna release on this day and eventually it dwindled down to me and katie who have a great rapport with each other yeah
1: yeah it's great and
3: um and we were just like listen we've been talking about this for too long let's just go ahead and <laughs> and, <laughs> and, and, try to and get it. it on wax as they yeah. say but it was something that we really needed especially like going to a predominantly white school and and you know just being in classical music just the field in general is predominantly white and so we were like we we need first of all we need vis- visibility for black mm-hmm. musicians we need people to know that hey we exist like we're here we always have been always will be and and second of all like sorry with um with visibility comes like we're not just here but we're also here and we're and we're being like we're doing black things like we're yeah. not like a lot of people tr- like feel like they'd have to water themselves down right and we're like we're not doing Co- that code here. switch if exactly. you will yeah yeah. Mm. yeah and we're like we're we're not doing that here so not only are we in this field but we're in this field being ourselves and right. that's okay mm-hmm. you know but what do you
2: also Delaney and i met Oh my gosh, this is the one of the main reasons, this is ridiculous. We met at Sphinx last year.
1: Not until last year at Sphinx? Not until, we,
2: came, we got to our school, she was
1: at school? Mm. got shout out the school, Shout out to the
2: Eastman School of Music, oh, shout out East to Eastman. Stand up, jackets, <laughs> Meliora. <laughs> I made five, five, stand up. <laughs> but we met.
1: Why, why y'all lobby look like a bank, by the way?
2: Okay, first of <gasps> all, you know, if we not finna do. <laughs> oh dang it, Loki dude. I'm not even going to do doing the teller thing? Dang.
1: <laughs> I, <now laughs> see, I wouldn't even think about the teller up front. But yeah, y'all got a Literally teller.
2: I like yeah. the info desk with the teller. <gasps> oh my now God. see, every time I go in there, I'm gonna be like, this look like a <laughs> <laughs> Right. But Eastman really thought he was doing something, he could design it.
1: But 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 shout, shout out to Eastman. You know, like so, some of the some of the world's best have walked those halls and, right. and, and those right practice rooms. Around. And yeah, yeah. I, yeah, here y'all go, right here.
2: And Delaney Harris. <laughs> so anyway, uh we met, we got to Eastman the same year, twenty sixteen. I didn't be here until 2018 as things. That is ridiculous. Because we went through this thing where, like, black people are Eastern normally talking to each other. And it's like... What? Walking and, past each other. Walking past each other, not saying nothing. Not saying Y'all yeah, petty. And the thing is, like... <laughs> no, no, no. Anyway, we won't get into that because this is not the time or place. Mm-hmm. But, um...
1: No, get into it. We're here.
2: Because I looked at Delaney. No. <laughs> we, we <laughs> had this argument on our podcast like at let least me t- two or three times. Gary, let me tell you what happened, right? Not so happened. it literally happened. So I was walking to class. Lenny, <laughs> I live in an apartment because whatever. I'm a grad student. So Delaney was walking into the student living center and I'm walking. I'm like, there's a black guy that goes? This is like October. It's like, oh, there's a black girl that goes here? I didn't even know that. This is how I view Eastman, right? Mm-hmm. And I was like, so, you know, I smile, whatever. I'm from the Midwest. We smile at people. Absolutely. So. So I smile, Delaney looks the other way. Goes into the end. So,
3: no, no, I would, the, you know what? The, something that I know about myself, I would never ever do that. I would never ever do that. I'm like, I probably did my version of a smile, which can be just like whatever. Because <laughs> on my passport photo, I thought I was smiling. I Meanwhile, literally was like, a she about to do smile. five to 10.
1: <laughs> now, of course, D- Delaney got to flex a little bit and let everybody know that she'd be traveling international. <laughs> I, I have two stamps on my passport. two more than a lot of people, though.
2: Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's true. And a passport. That's true. But um, I did not do that. <laughs> <laughs> that Whatever. So I was it. like, I was like, so this is what it is. Like I, and especially like. In my undergrad, mm-hmm. I was, like, the only black person in my program. So it was, like... And where was that? Illinois State University. Okay, shout out to them. Yes, 309. Go Redbirds. So when I was like, okay, so this is, this is what classical music is. This, yeah. is. this is black people being more comfortable talking... With their instruments than talking to each other. And I guess you don't wanna be seen talking to the only, only other black person in the room. And I'm like, this kind of Why not sp- though? Exactly. I think people are embarrassed I by love it. it. <laughs> but meanwhile, like, I go in the room, I'm like, so. Right. Right. <laughs> right. <My people> are- <laughs> but it's like, I guess people are embarrassed to be seen talking to the only black person in the room because it's like, of course they're talking to each other.
1: Mm-hmm. You know? They bet not. Okay, well, this is a public service announcement to everybody black at music school. If you have a black uh, colleague, uh, somebody that's in school with you, go be they friends. Yeah, Definitely.
2: like honestly, because it's like, I, imagine. And then I did a festival. I did Gateways.
1: Shout out, sh- and shout out to Lee Koontz because he, he's the founder oh, of him. Gateways, or not the founder, but the executive, director, you know, the executive director. director. And like he, one of the like wokest people you'll ever meet. Listen, if you I love Lee. like, if you sit down and talk to him yeah. for fifteen minutes, you be ready to Shoot you pick your afro out. Right. <laughs>
2: <laughs> Man, Lee, I love Lee.
1: But anyway, Gateways.
2: I met at Gateways and I was like, this way this is not classical music. Like this is not this is not what we're doing. Like so that after that we were like, Okay, so what are we doing? Like I wanted to Delaney S fans. I'm like, so we go to the same school.
0: What mm-hmm. are we doing? And then
2: we started talking to each other. And then people we used to walk by, we used to walk past Richard and not say nothing. Now we hang around with Richard like all the time. Mm-hmm. It's like we like. And then Delaney was like, "Let's have a let's have a Black Student Union at Eastman."
3: Oh, yeah.
1: dope! And yeah. y'all put that together, and that's yeah. the thing now.
3: Yeah, we just got established like um, like Students Association recognized uh, this year, and we're doing a concert for Black History Month, all Black composers, all Black musicians mm-hmm. at Eastman. And and there are so many people that are like, "Wow, I really like wanted this, and this is exactly what we." Need, yeah. but just never did it. And I'm like, and me and Kendra are sitting around, like, we hanging out in her apartment.
2: We're like, we have to bring other people yeah, into this. Other yeah. People could be here. What yeah. is. And when, now we do we, Spades Night. I don't to play yeah. Spades at Eastman. You know what I'm saying? Who, how many people could say that? Who could okay, say but,
1: that? But, me too. But which Joker is the big Joker, though? See,
2: listen, now you're not going to listen to like, <laughs> I only play it once, and I forgot. But Richard taught me.
1: The big Joker, and, and this I know this is controversial in the black community. The big Joker is the Joker that's color. Because one is in my cars, one be black and white, and one be color. Mm-hmm. The color joker is the big joker, but a lot of folk think the joker with the instructions on it is the big joker. Oh,
2: mm-hmm. we haven't gotten to that level yet, but can oh. we, just, <laughs> can we just
1: table this conversation. And then, but for now, for well, now. so we we were mentioning um, the Gateways Festival, and I'm sure there are a lot of people that don't know what that is. So you know, that's a week long thing where um, black classical uh, musicians from around the world, you yeah. know, come together and uh play music and kiki and and do all Literally that key key. <laughs> oh goodness, you know how, how is you know it you'll have a lot of people that'll be like well you know classical music supersedes everything and you know it, it rises above but at the end of the day you know the gateways festival is all black and it just feel a little different you. you know
2: absolutely first of all like i've never when i was in gateways I, I have yet to take um orchestra yet at eastman because mm-hmm. grad students are only required to take one year so i was already at eastman for a year I, I was like okay so i did gateways and i was i was in my school and i was on kodak stage and we're playing rock modern off with like an amazing pianist and i feel like the stage is lifting and like mm-hmm. i've never been in an orchestra that sounds like that and i'm not talking about like of course like cso sounds great and Boston Symphony. But i'm not talking about like Black people with like an incredible amount of soul, an incredible amount of like history, and to shout playing. out Stuart
1: Goodyear, who was playing yeah, piano. I was
2: My edges were receding. I was like, I mean, ed-
1: ed just looking everywhere. Am I? Where, what, are my, where edges? my edges? <laughs> like,
2: <laughs> where are the edges? It's just like you listen to a recording; it sounds even better than it felt on stage. Yeah, I've never, and I still have yet to feel that. You know, mm. since I've been in that Gateways Orchestra, like it just feels like absolutely amazing, and everyone's playing with like all the passion they got and it's like it was just incredible and it was like I wish it always felt like that you know what I'm yep. saying like I wish oh, the way we sound everything's all out seasoned and yeah. like, <laughs> well, marinated well seasoned well right. seasoned yeah. like salt pepper and some most of that's the base seasoning. you need like <laughs> yeah. you need yeah. the stuff after that <laughs> right, like the lorries exactly, right yeah
1: the, put a little paprika in and there and like at the Russo top some lemon pepper yeah, right. yeah.
2: garlic powder yeah. garlic powder yeah. heavy hand with the garlic depending powder. on what the doctor says <laughs> some garlic salt
1: <laughs> <laughs> y'all do the look. Excuse me. See, I have my mouth watering thinking about it. Yeah, <laughs> y'all don't do the Lowrys. You have to do mm. the Lowrys, you know
2: what I'm saying? Uh huh.
1: Mm. But y'all remember what happened at that um, Gateway's performance? Like, yeah, the, that and, was and,
2: devastating. And, and I want to,
1: wanna, I want to go into that for a minute because so at that performance, um, you know, it looked like there was uh, students from this black school, predominantly black mm-hmm. school, there to see this black orchestra do their thing and i mean they just was cutting up and, and like the performance had to uh, stop midway through i had never experienced I've that never in my life
2: experienced that and I like could not they my odds. that
1: they were all escorted off and like the space i found myself in is you know are we the snobs now are we the ones who don't care about you know the, the black youth for for kicking them out of this con Well, we didn't kick them out. But, right. you know, like, I mean, what, what what do y'all think about that whole conversation? It, it's real touchy for me. I, I don't know. Because, you know, there are people there that are trying to enjoy that concert. Right. But, like, what does it mean for black youth to just not, you know, be interested enough in it to not start cutting up and disrupt the concert?
3: Hmm. I think that... One of the things, like, I don't think that we are the snobs for that because it, it comes from a place of, like, for me, it was a place of, like, disappointment
0: yeah. and, like,
3: yep. you know, sort of like, wow, I really can't believe that happened. Because I know some people were probably angry and irritated, like, why would they do that? They, they don't know anything, whatever, whatever. And and I think it's more of a place of, like, no one has really demonstrated to them the importance of like of, like, why... Or like the, the, the reason why something like Gateways is important. The value that something <laughs> like Gateways gives. Yeah. Because me Katie and I work at um, an Elsa Snitman inspired program in Rochester and we oh, were dope. we were um looking at like some of some of the ways that students treat instruments and I'm like no one has really told this this student this is valuable. The the not not only is it monetarily valuable but like it's a valuable thing to be able to hold an instrument to play an instrument it's valuable knowledge that you're receiving So I think that that's sort of like something that a lot of black children maybe they they don't have access to yeah and so I think that that's part of the reason why that happened and and I know that it's it's amazing for people to see black people on stage like at gateways and that's something that I definitely would have, would have been, you know, would have needed to see when I was growing up as a musician. But at that point, I was already playing the bass. I was already, you know, in orchestra, and, and I already, you know, sort of liked it and whatever, but... When kids are coming from a place where they only play their instrument one or two times a week or, you know, they haven't really found their groove in it, they don't think they're good at it yet, I feel like that sort of education aspect of, like, this is really something that could help you, this is something that you could do, and this is something that could take you places in life. would would have really helped that
1: and it seems like a cultural thing because you know black folk you know for years now we have you know seen the possibilities of getting into you know rap and hip-hop and Mm -hmm. and all this stuff and you can even go on into jazz you know um there there are a bunch of artists out there doing that these days but Mm -hmm. we just aren't quite there with the classical and again you know sometimes I feel like you know they're right in in mm-hmm. a way. I mean, what, what connection should they have exactly. to this music? I mean, despite the fact that you know it was all black, um, you know, an all black orchestra, a black conductor, a black piano soloist at, at that performance. At the end of the day, we were playing Rachmaninoff. Mm-hmm. You know, mm-hmm. so you know what 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 does what does that mean? I mean, what what can we really say about you know a black a little black boy or a little black girl not being interested in something that at the end of the day doesn't have a lot to do with them? Mm-hmm.
2: I mean, I remember looking at that performance and at first I was very irritated. I was like, This is so embarrassing. Like these are our youth acting this way. And I was like, No, someone failed these kids. Because right. you can't just you can't just bring them to a classical music performance. And I, that's not fair. I don't know what went into that whole thing. I don't know who they were. I you know, I don't know what school they came from, what summer program they were at, but you can't just bring kids to a classical music performance and be like these these are black musicians and a black conductor and a black soloist and you should appreciate this you know especially they have no context of and they might they're not dumb they know what a violin is they know what an orchestra is they they know whatever but it's like they know a conductor stands up there they know a soloist like kids know these things you know what i'm saying but it's like you can't just expect them to appreciate this and no one they weren't prepared for that so they don't know how to sit in in a concert hall and listen to music, and why do you have to be quiet when you listen to it, and yeah. and how, what does this even mean, and why is it so long, and why is there three movements, and why don't we clap in between? Like, who prepared you for this, and and what do you listen for, yeah. and and why and why is this? Why are black musicians doing this so important? You know yeah. what I'm saying? And it's like I remember telling Delaney a couple of days ago. I had us when I, I taught public school briefly before I, I went to Eastman. Oh no,
1: you did. I, oh, Ms. <laughs> Ms. Brown.
2: Anyway, I how public school briefly um in the very uh i don't i wouldn't say it was impoverished but i've never in a in a context i've taught orchestra before yeah i had my my class was half white half black down the middle i've never seen so many black students and i my first period of class was at high school the beginning orchestra or whatever well they played never mind and um <laughs> they, they were like intermediate orchestra and I had one student that gave me a lot of trouble. Now, if anyone knows my teacher personality, that didn't really bother me because, I mean, we could go with this. brown don't play. <laughs> <laughs> but at the end of the day, whatever, he still gave me trouble. And when I put my resignation in when I was going to Eastman, he was like, man, I never had a black teacher before. And I'm like, and you cut up in my class this much.
1: See? You, and, you you, never, and
2: you probably would never have another black orchestra teacher. Right. And it's like, but kids don't, they're not there. You have, someone has to bring them there. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. Like, some kids might be like, oh, you black? You teach orchestra? And some kids are like... So the so, burn. Yeah. I don't want to be here. My mom making me be here. My counselor making me be here. Like, kids have to be brought there. Mm-hmm. You know, so you put them in this space, and, like, why are they at Eastman, and why there's so many people here, and what are these black people doing up there? And, you know, some. it's just, like, that's why that happened, you know? You could be, like... This this piece is by Rachmaninoff and you could listen for this, like you hear the bassoon do that thing. Like you don't have to just listen right here. You could the violins are doing this thing and the soloist like is taking this melody and he's gonna play it first and then he's gonna elaborate on it. Yeah. And these are things you could have done and like that might have happened anyway. You know what I'm saying? That's but true. something tells me that like they don't know why this is important. You know, you have to be you have to be told that. You know, like kids were explaining, like, Barack Obama like they grew up in in whatever this country is and they're so they knew that barack obama being president that's a big deal right you know right that you have to treat these things you take them to ballet you take them to they have a black teacher you take them to the orchestra halls like the same thing mm-hmm. why is this important you know so that's why I, like that was that's at first i was disappointed and i was like no nah, something went wrong
1: well i'm gonna I'm flip that question back on y'all why why is classical music important to you
2: Oh, <laughs> what a
1: doozy! Okay,
3: um, honestly, I feel like the the most special uh, classical music experiences that I've had have been intertwined with race and like huh. my blackness. So it's like I know you said earlier, like a lot of people think, well, classical music, you know, the music transcends all of that and it's above all of that. That doesn't matter, whatever, mm-hmm. whatever, and. When I tell you... Okay, so I stay in Tchaikovsky. And when I you play... You stay in for Tchaikovsky? Mm-hmm. Okay. Oh, my <laughs> nobody, nobody even touched his bass melodies besides Brahms, and his dad was a bass player, so that's why he knew how to... Yeah. Because no one was writing bass parts like that. Nobody was. But anyway, <laughs> I get all these goosebumps and all these feelings. Like, you know, when you're playing something that you really, really love right. with Tchaikovsky. However, like... Even though a white composer can still do that for me, I you already know my favorite concert every single year is Martin Luther King Day, InterCity Youth Orchestra of Los Angeles, because uh, the founder and executive director, Mr. Dickerson, Charles Dickerson... Yeah, shout out to Chuck. I, oh, my God, he's done so much for me. I love him. <laughs> but um, he wrote a piece called I Have a Dream, and it's, the, it's Martin Luther King's I Have a Dream speech, and it's set uh, to music for Symphony Orchestra and Chorus. Huh, and yeah. it is, like, the most powerful thing ever. Like, and it's usually all black musicians playing it. And so, like, those are the types of experiences of, like, connecting two parts of myself that are not really, like, are, I guess are perceived not to be compatible. Right. And, and, and intertwining them so, like, cohesively is what really makes classical music important to me because I know that it can take more forms than, like, people think it can. Right, It doesn't right. have to be this one cookie-cutter right. thing you know, you can use classical music to do all kinds of different things, just like our podcast. Like, right. that's a way like of looking at classical music that a lot of people don't. So it's sort of just showing the flexibility and the versatility of it is what makes it important to me. What
1: about you, Katie? Like, why it, why is classical music important to you? Why, why is this something you want to do?
2: Well, I would say, like, the viola, like when I play the viola, like I feel the most like myself.
1: And and, and real quick, shout out to all the viola players because
2: listen, alto class stand up.
1: Because every because every time, like I'm getting online, you know, looking for a nice joke or something for my radio show, it's always <laughs> viola <laughs> jokes, and I'd be so done. I'd be like, "What? Listen, like, it's not funny. First on, of all, you'll yeah. be
2: nothing without us. Well, <laughs> what? No thing. You be what's a sandwich <coughs> without the middle?" It's bread. bread. I love bread. You can't I I say
3: that to me because I literally <laughs> eat bread by itself. It's like, it doesn't like.
2: It's like peanut butter and jelly. It's like I want a peanut butter and s- jelly sandwich, but I want no viola. Okay, you gonna get two slices of bread. Like you, you are nothing yes. without the viola. So, so it's like yeah,
1: shout no, out, shout key out key key to viola. And
2: da, 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 no. Like,
1: <laughs> and you know we, you know we share a piece of music by Weber, the um the Hungarian on and- uh, Hungarian Andante and Rondo. Did
2: he write that for bas- bassoon.
1: He wrote that for a uh, viola, but um. Uh, I think his brother uh, Weber his brother played bassoon mm. and his brother was like man let me play that man and, and now it's and <laughs> now on, it's man. like more of a, a bassoon piece you know <laughs> oh, well.
2: but listen but like, anyway we might anyway. stand bassoon because we always in the orchestra to we might I have to yeah. we might I mean and also shout out to the bassoon because that whole F sharp to G thing y'all got going on
1: Oh, you took methods or something.
2: But listen, I was like, See, I know so that. why I got to do all this to change one little note? Yep. Not, I know. <laughs> it's a lot. So yep. what's it And don't
1: even try to trill that jump. That
2: use a trill key?
1: How do you do that? You, you got to. You, you do your best. You do your best. But anyway, I interrupted you. So 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 Katie, why do you want to do classical music? Why is why is classical music important?
2: When I play the video, I feel most like myself. So I hmm. want to do whatever I can do to always feel like that. You know what I'm right. saying? Like and it, it gets hard because like you start off real hopeful and then you get into it. And it's like mm. it's auditions, it's juries, it's and it's like and when it gets like too overwhelming, i would be like, If I play mental time. It's like I just step back and be like, why do I <laughs> why do I like this? And it's like, I love it. You know, I, I feel like when when you get up and you play your piece, you feel real confident, you feel like invincible. Right. You know, and it's like I love that feeling that that's the only thing I that I do that I feel like that. Like I feel like I could take over the world, you know, yeah. playing this little Brahms sonata. You know, and it's like there's no other feeling like it. I have yeah. to I have to do this.
1: Yeah for, for me I feel like I'm just you know experiencing the music like i'm really mm-hmm. meeting the music and you know even beyond classical you know uh, something i like to do on my instagram is when i hear a, a song that i think is dope sometimes i'll just get at my keyboard or get out my guitar and just like kind of play that song cuz mm-hmm. i feel like i'm like really experiencing you know what that artist or what that composer had in mind mm-hmm. and and classical music is like one of the more intricate you know, ways to do that Because, you know, you got all these You know, you got the strings, winds, percussion And then within that, everybody has Their particular part and mm-hmm. How it weaves in and out together You know, who who missing a note Who ain't, you know, I know y'all don't be missing No notes, so Next question
0: well,
3: <laughs> I mean, Meanwhile, my teacher tune into this, he gonna be like,
2: well my <laughs> Right, my teacher gonna be like So you doing
1: another thing but practicing, huh? <laughs> right <laughs> Well Thank y'all so much for uh, coming to talk with me. Thank um, you for having us. Pl- plug, plug your podcast again. Tell us how we can listen to it and all that.
2: So we're Classically Black Podcast. Classically
1: Black. Classically
2: Black yeah. Podcast. <laughs> you can follow us on IG, Facebook, Twitter, at Classically Black Podcast. You can listen wherever you listen to podcasts, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, YouTube, SoundCloud, Google Play, um, at Classically Black podcasts, We release every Monday.
1: Dope, right. dope. Thanks again.
2: Right. Thank, Thank you, you for having you. us.
1: I love, I love their laugh. And you, and you are, you know, one of their newest fans, right? You That's listen right. every week. That's right. Are are there, um, are there any particular episodes that uh, you would like to to uh, suggest to anyone?
0: Um, the nice thing about this podcast is you can jump in anywhere. Yeah, I it's, agree. It's not episodic. You can go to anyone, and they're talking about something new. Um, uh, no, I I just started. Start at ground zero. Yeah. For yeah. me and, and just listen to it. If you're looking for real honest to goodness, like almost eavesdropping in on what it's like to be not only a, a classical musician in school, but a black woman uh, in, yeah. in school, then this is a great place to start. And, and they also are up to speed on all the, the pop music, the hip hop, the rap, it's, oh, it's yeah. all, it's all in there.
1: Yeah. And it was really great talking with them. So that, that was the first, um, interview I recorded while at the Sphinx conference. Um, the second of, uh, three, uh, that you'll hear next time is my conversation with Brandon Kofer. He is a, uh, collaborative pianist, uh, who lives in Knoxville, Tennessee, and uh, we talk about what it's like to be a collaborative pianist. His relationship. We're going to
0: talk about why it's called a collaborative pianist. Yep.
1: Yeah, yeah. And you know his relationship with um, classical versus jazz versus gospel versus other genres. Um, yeah, it's, it's it's going to be a, a really great conversation, and I uh, can't wait to
0: share that with y'all. It's coming up next time on Triloquy. Bye. Bye.